0: Hello, and welcome to the City Baptist Church podcast, where our desire is to help others find meaning and mission in following Jesus. Well, today in our message, what I want to talk about is I want to look at the reaction of an individual, somebody who's going through what we would consider today an unfair time. Uh, Going through a a time of difficulty, it wasn't because of anything, Uh, it wasn't necessarily their fault, but they were in a bit of a time that was a struggle. And then because of their their struggle that they were going through, it led to thoughts and really a heart of doubt in their life. Now, I think all of us can relate to that feeling a little bit today. Because honestly, most of us are in situations right now in uh, the last Sunday of March 2020 that we really didn't expect ourselves to be in when we began the year. I mean, I began 2020 with a lot of excitement and the idea of 2020 vision and being so excited about it. And yet, for many of us, we're in a totally different situation than we thought we would be. And to be honest, it seems a little bit unfair. You know, some of you right now uh, have found yourself uh, as a homeschool mom or dad for the first time. You were not planning on that in 2020, but yet here we are. Uh, Some of you uh, have found yourself for weeks in isolation. Uh, Others of you have found yourself kind of overwhelmed with just a concern uh, for the world, concern for what's going on. And Many of you have concern for the health and the well-being of uh, family members, of friends, of people at your work. And others of you might be finding yourself right now uh, with an extended amount of time not even being able to work, not being able to provide for your family like uh, you wanted to. For many of you, it's just maybe simple things like me. I haven't been able to get a haircut in a while, and I'm really missing that. I'd love to get one here pretty soon. I don't know when that's going to happen. But so many things have happened. Family vacations have been canceled. Conferences uh, that you are part of have been canceled. And I know for me, definitely, I really miss gathering together with our church family where there's no technology issues that we have to worry about. And honestly, it can seem a little bit unfair. It can seem a little bit unfair. The reality of things right now maybe are causing some of you even to doubt a little bit the goodness of God. I want you to know today that you are not alone in those feelings. And in today, today's passage in Luke chapter number seven, Jesus is gonna give us a clear answer for how we can approach feelings of doubt and feelings of confusion over what is taking place in our lives. Now in Luke chapter seven, are pick up the story. Jesus is right in the middle of his ministry. And of course, he's, uh, he, he's healing people. He's seeing amazing things happening. He's confronting those at the temple. He's, he's teaching the truth, declaring himself as God. In Luke chapter number 7, we see the really great story where Jesus comes to the area of Capernaum. And uh, after an experience with the Roman centurion there, remember that unique moment of faith at the beginning of the chapter, we see a really interesting story where he comes to a city that's called Nain. And while he's arriving there at that city... At the city gate, there is a funeral procession that's coming out. And in those days, they would often carry, and even today in some Middle Eastern cultures, they carry the casket and they're coming out of the city. And the the, the story is told that there's a grieving mother and there's her dead son in this casket. And as they're walking out, Jesus goes up to the casket there, the coffin, and he touches it. And the Bible tells us that that boy came to life. It says it actually sat up in the coffin and began to speak. Now, I don't know about you. That would totally weird me out. I was wondering what was the first thing that he said when he was brought back to life. But but the reason I share that story is to explain a little bit about what was happening in Christ's ministry. I mean, a lot of things were going on. People were excited. People were uh, enthusiastic about his ministry. The whole nation uh, was buzzing about his power over death. And it was an exciting time to be alive. Crowds of people were following after Jesus. They were anxious to see him, anxious to hear from him, to experience the miracles that he was doing. And and those that were following him were just, I mean, going through an amazing time. But there was one man that both Luke and Matthew mentioned to us. There was one man that though he was a believer, in fact, was a great believer and follower in Jesus Christ, he was not having the greatest of times. Uh, He was not experiencing uh, miracles. He was not sitting and listening to the incredible teachings of Jesus Christ. In fact, he was in a Roman prison at this point. He had confronted Herod. He had uh, accused him of adultery, which he was guilty of. And for that, he had found himself in prison, wondering if he was even going to survive the next day. Now, you guys know him well. His name is John the Baptist. He was a man who was sent from God He was the last of the Old Testament prophets, a man who preached in the Spirit and the power of Elijah. He was someone who who saw thousands of people baptized in repentance. He was the one who had baptized Jesus Christ. He was the one who loudly proclaimed Him most famously as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But that was before. That was before. And this is now. Now he finds himself in a prison cell, rotting away, wondering... If he's even going to make it through the night. A man who was used to being followed by great crowds. Now here he is alone, occasionally being visited by a few of his closest friends. Which of course right now we say, well at least he could have some visitors. <laughs> some of you haven't had that at all. But he only had a few people who were checking in on him. Well, What had happened? Why were things turning out the way that they were? Why was he in prison when this Messiah that he had so loudly preached about was out doing his thing? Why was he in prison and not out there with him? He was the one who had come to set him free. The Messiah came and he had preached and said that he came to burn up the chaff and to set the prisoner free. Why was it then that the Romans were still in control? I'm sure he was wondering if Jesus is the Messiah and I'm the one announcing his coming, why am I the one who's in prison? And John was in a difficult place. Both physically, uh, mentally, and emotionally, he was in a very difficult place. And what we see in our passage that we're about to get in, is that because of his circumstances, his heart that had once so loudly proclaimed the truth of the Messiah was a heart that was beginning to fill with doubt. Things were not going as he expected. Things were not as they thought they should be. And he might have even been in his heart questioning, and we'll see in a moment, asking the question, is Jesus even the Messiah that he himself had claimed him to be? See, John's contact with the outside world was only through a few disciples that followed after him. And what they were telling him was that Jesus was doing things completely different than he had proclaimed. See, John had preached about him coming and bringing judgment, but Jesus preached love and good deeds. Uh, John had promised that the kingdom of God was close, but there really was no evidence of that yet in Israel. And in fact, Jesus was healing the servants of Romans and he was preaching about loving their enemies. So none of this was making sense to him. And so for John, he had to come up with a plan to answer the confusion in his heart. And so he sends some of his disciples to talk with Jesus. And that's where we pick it up in Luke chapter 7, in verse number 18. I'll begin reading there. It says, And the disciples of John showed him all of these things. Well, what are these things that he's showing them? Well, he's showing them uh, about the healing and the amazing miracles that were taking place, the things that Jesus had been doing. Verse 19, And John calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist uh, John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, art thou he that should come? And then notice what they say, or look we for another. Now, to me, when I read this, it's hard to believe that this is the same John the Baptist that we know from other portions of Scripture, because this passage here shows John's confusion. It shows his doubt. And Rather than a powerful preacher, what we see is someone who seems weak, almost as if their faith is leaving him. So how is it possible? How is it possible that this great man, this proclaimer of truth, this prophet from God could fall into such doubt and into such confusion? And here's why. And this is the thought I want us to get at the very beginning of the message today. He found himself in doubt here because he allowed his expectations of Jesus to affect his trust in Jesus. In other words... If you write down this thought this morning, human expectations create doubt. Human expectations create doubt. See, the source of John's doubt was not that he did not necessarily believe in God anymore. It wasn't that he had lost his faith completely. But his doubting was in the way that Jesus was going about to set up his kingdom. See, John was expecting a political overthrow. Uh, He was expecting Jesus to come in and just wipe out those Romans and, and free Israel, Uh, and and everyone turned in repentance towards God, but he did not yet realize that Jesus had not come to establish a political kingdom. He had come to establish a spiritual kingdom. Because Jesus knew what we need to remember today, and that it is is not a political system, it is not a ruling power that can bring change to the world. It is only through the gospel of Jesus Christ that can hope to change the hearts and the minds of mankind. Just like today, you know, church, your your favorite uh, politician is not going to change everything. Uh, you, uh, a new law being voted in or, 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 or some uh, social movement isn't going to change anything at all. Only the gospel, the word of God, can change a person's life and bring about true change in our city, in our neighborhood, and in our country. But with John, Christ's ministry was not going as he expected it to, and so his heart was filled with doubt. You ever felt this way before? Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever felt like, Man, I'm doing everything that I should be doing, but it's just not going the way that I thought it should. Maybe some of you have lived for the Lord for many years. You've done your best of ability, best of your ability to live a life that's pleasing to him, but things are still not going as you expected them to go. The reality that you're living in right now is far different than the dreams that you've had in the past. It doesn't even seem fair. For some of you, maybe the plans that you had for your career or a particular field never materialized and you're struggling you've never realized the goals that you maybe set out for yourself or you might even have uh, somewhere in your home some goals that you wrote out for yourself years ago maybe during this time the virus that we're all uh, fighting together as a country maybe it's brought about a financial or a career setback for some of you it's opened up some new fears maybe even awakened some existing anxiety that you've had that you thought you were over but they've all sort of come back uh, during this time and your heart is weary Your burdens are heavier, discouragement sinks in, and doubts begin to form. Now, you're not losing your faith. I'm not accusing you of that today, but we begin sometimes to doubt the attributes of God that we know so well. We doubt his attributes of love, maybe his attributes of wisdom, or that he's a good father, or that he has a plan for you. And we find ourselves like Asaph in Psalm 73, who through many ups and downs in his life said this, and he asked the question, has God forgotten about me? And he talked about how it seemed like even the wicked were prospering, and everybody else was doing okay, but he was the one that was struggling. It's the picture of of a kid, you know, at a window watching all his friends play and having a good time, and he's stuck inside doing his homework. It's that picture of of wondering, why is everyone else doing okay, but I'm I'm struggling? You know, if you've ever been at that place, or you've been, uh, maybe you're there right now, that position of doubt or wondering if God is even there, I want to tell you, you're not alone in those feelings. Because the discouragement and the doubt that John was facing in the prison cell was not all that unusual, even for people that we consider to be spiritual leaders. If you remember Moses? Man, Moses had a time in his life where he was ready to quit. <laughs> Elijah went through a time of great discouragement. Jeremiah thought about giving up. Peter, he denied and he had a lot of fear uh, in his life. And even the Apostle Paul understood despair. And here's what I want you to get that. no human, No human is exempt from doubt, especially when we connect our expectations of God to our reality. When we connect what we think God should be doing or how God should be, and we try to connect that to our reality, that's when doubt always begins to creep in. And we begin to have this struggle and we begin to wonder, is God even paying attention to me? Now, here's the good thing today. Human expectations, yes, bring about doubt. But the good thing is is that all of us have a resource that can help us overcome that doubt. And the one thing that we can learn here from John is that John uh, did not sit there in the prison cell and just wallow in self-pity. What we see him doing is sending his doubts. And this is what I want you to get. He sent his doubts to the one who he had built his hopes and dreams on, the Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, for you and I this morning, when those waves of doubt and discouragement come over us, when you are doubting God's work and his goodness in your life, There is only one source of relief in that, and that is our only hope, who is Jesus Christ, God himself. And when our hearts fill with doubt, what we need to do is learn from John, and we need to send our doubts to Jesus. Because trying harder is not going to help. Trying to be a better person is not going to help you. Trying to uh, read self-help books and uh, get connected even in the spiritual side of things, you doing it on your own is not going to help you at all. It will not fill that void of discouragement because only God himself can overcome those doubts. So I want you to imagine those disciples as they came, those followers of John who came to Jesus. I'm sure Jesus knew them. He recognized them. He probably asked them, hey, how's John doing? And I'm sure they would have responded, well, it's not looking really that great, Jesus. We don't really have a hope of him being released. There's no news at all. And Jesus, we don't want to offend you or anything. But John was wondering are you really the one that is to come? Are you really the Messiah? John was wondering, and Jesus, don't take this the wrong way, but should we be looking for somebody else? Should we be looking for somebody else? Now, what I like here is that Jesus doesn't respond to them with a (laughs) lecture. Jesus doesn't immediately, you know, throw shade on them and say, how could you guys say that? How could John say that? I want you to see what he does in verse number 21. It says, and in that same hour, in the same hour that the question was asked, it says, in the same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind, he gave sight. The key word in these verses here is many, many the people came to him and they brought their infirmities. That's their chronic diseases. They brought their plagues. uh, Those are their acute diseases. And then those that were possessed by evil spirits, those that were blind, they brought those people to him. And it says here that Jesus healed them all, all of them without exception. He healed every single person that had come right in front of those followers of John that were there. Now, it must have been incredible. To us, we look at that, we say, that would have been amazing. I would have loved to see that. I would have loved to see Jesus heal every single person that came his way. But to those disciples or those followers of John, to them, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. Remember, they had seen it before. They had heard about it before. They would have noticed and said, okay, well, that's what Jesus does. There's no big deal in, in all of that. But what was Jesus doing? Why didn't Jesus just turn and rebuke them? Why did he turn and then heal everybody? What, what's going on? Well, Jesus is teaching us something very important. It's our second thought for this morning. That yes, human expectations create doubt, but I want you to notice that heavenly experiences create confidence. And this is what Jesus is trying to show us today. Heavenly experiences create confidence. You know, the human heart and the human mind is not a perfect system. Originally we were, but we are not a perfect system. And so we often forget things that we've learned, especially when it comes to spiritual things. And so when things go wrong, when things don't meet our expectations, and the enemy begins to fill our our, our hearts and our minds with doubt and fill them with fear, what happens is that our spiritual thinking kind of gets cloudy. And so Jesus gives us the answer to that. Look at verse number 22. So he heals everybody. And then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John, in Matthew's account it says, Tell him again what things ye have seen and heard, how that the blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. To the poor the gospel is preached. Now, Jesus here gives us the answer to having victory over doubt, and it's this. Remember his past work in your life. Remember his past work in your life. For John, Jesus is reminding him about the reality of who Jesus is, that he is the promised Messiah, that he is the one who has prepared the way for us. And for us today, church, I want you to get this. We can look back to Christ's love on the cross We can look at how Jesus came down from glory, how he was crucified for our sins, how he rose again from the dead, how he promised to never leave us nor forsake us, how he preserved his word for us for 2000 years and the testimony of the multitudes who have come before us personally for you. It may be a past difficulty that God brought you through. It might be an answered prayer for uh, finances that you struggled with years ago, and you look back and you remember what God did. It might be an encouragement uh, from brothers and sisters in Christ or a leading that God gave you that you followed and you saw something incredible happen. But listen, we need to get back in the habit of looking back towards what God has already done in our lives. For many of you, all you have to do is look back at who you were before you were saved, to look back at your personal testimony and see how much God has changed you since that time and it's it's different for all of us but the singular stabilizing truth that we must root in our hearts is that our past experiences with God should determine our future expectations of God our past experiences with God should determine our future expectations of God because just like he was there before he will be there again We've got to be like Joshua and you remember the children of Israel and Joshua when they crossed over the Jordan River and they built there some uh, stones of remembrance both in the Jordan River that was hidden and that's a really interesting thought there, but also some that were up on, uh, on the bank of the side of the Jordan River and they piled these stones there, why? So that the generations after would remember what God had done for them. In Isaiah chapter uh, 43, the prophet Isaiah said this, and he was speaking, it's a familiar passage. He talked about how in verse number two, when we're in the fire or when we're in the waters, God is with us. It's something to remember. In verse number three, he said it's because he is the Lord. He is all powerful. He's almighty. He will be there. In verse 4, it says that we are precious in his sight. In verse 5, he said again, Fear not, for I am with you. In Isaiah chapter 43, in church, rather than, our, than base our current trust in God and on our human uh, expectations, we need to firmly base our expectations on our past experiences that we have had with him. And rather than doubt what is happening uh, in the moment, remember that he's been there before, he is still God, he's still in control. And at the same time, recognizing what it says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, where he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. There's that that unique connection of those two things, understanding those together. That he is there, but he also is not who we necessarily expect him to be. Uh, There's a lady by the name of uh, Catherine Hankey, and she wrote a couple of songs. She wrote the song, uh, Tell Me the Old, Old Story, and I Love to Tell the Story were two songs that she wrote. And she wrote those songs, interestingly enough, while going through a terrible amount of personal suffering. She had a, 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 almost a life-ending disease that she battled with for many, many years. And she faced a difficult and a discouraging journey in her service of the Lord. But in that song that she wrote, Tell Me the Old, Old Story, it's almost a hundred verses long, uh, which you've probably only ever sang a few of them. She said this, she said, tell me the old, old story that I may take it in. The wonderful redemption, God's remedy for sin. And then she said this, Tell me the story often. Tell me the story often. Why? For I forget so soon of Jesus and his love. This lady who went through tremendous suffering and difficulty needed to constantly be reminded of God's goodness and God's love for her. And that's what we need. We need to be constantly reminded. And when our hearts are full of doubt, you know what we need to do, church? We need to pick up a Bible (laughs) and return to the promises of God. You maybe need to take a piece of paper and write down all of the good things that God has done and write out the past experiences uh, that you've had with the Lord and allow your hearts and your mind to be filled with His promises, giving you that peace that passes all understanding. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And he says this, According... As his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him, you can underline that there, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Jesus sends this message back to John and he says, I want you to tell him what you saw here and remember who I am. Remember what has happened in the past and take heart for the future. But Jesus also sort of ends sort of a P.S. at the end of his message in verse number 23, where he reminds John, And blessed is he whoever shall not be offended in me. Blessed is he whoever shall not be offended in me. In other words, the favor of God, the blessings of God is on those who are not offended through him. The word offended here means to close a trap. Jesus wants us to understand that his blessings come and the blessed life really is for those who come to accept Christ for who he is and do not get trapped in their own false human expectations and then miss out on who he truly is. And so I want to ask you today, are you living trapped in your expectations of God? Are you living trapped in your expectations of God or are you living your life in confidence because of your experiences with him? Now, I recognize today there might be some of you who don't have any experiences with God, and the reason is because you've never placed your faith and your trust in Him as your personal Savior. I want to tell you today there's no reason for you to keep on seeking. Jesus Christ is the Savior that you are looking for, and through Him you can receive forgiveness of sins, and a home in heaven. There's no need to go and to look or to explore anywhere else. And I would ask you today, if you're watching this and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, would you go to citybaptist.ca to our website? There's a, a button there that says good news and you can read more about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And you can reach out to us and we'd be glad to help you know for sure that heaven is your home and that Jesus Christ is your savior. But Christian, maybe you are in a time of doubt today. Would you turn back to Jesus? Would you remember his love for you, his promises to you, and his past work in your life? I really believe that the key, I really believe this, that the key to confident Christian living can be found in this short story of a godly man who is in a difficult situation. A godly man who allowed his human expectation of God affect his heart. And so I want to ask you this morning, would you turn to God for encouragement? Would you turn to Him for answers? Would you turn to His sovereign will for your life? Because when you do that, you can move and look forward confidently that God is in control and trusting that He will work out all things for His good simply because of who He is. And so this morning, I want to remind you that heavenly expectations create doubt. Or human expectations, sorry, create doubt. But heavenly experiences create doubt confidence. John's moment of doubt. I don't want you to miss this. If you miss everything today, get this. John's moment of doubt led him to a clearer understanding of who Jesus is. And the moment of doubt that you are in right now, the moment of doubt you might have been through this week, is an opportunity for you to learn and to grow more in knowing and understanding exactly who Jesus Christ is. That's my prayer for you today from this passage. In those moments of doubt, those moments of life that seem unfair, that are unexpected, that you would return and remember. As Jesus said to those disciples, go and tell John what you've seen here and remember who Jesus Christ is. That's how you and I can receive victory over the doubts that we face. We hope that today's message was a help and encouragement to you in your walk with God. To stay connected with us, give us a like on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at Vance City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will grow and bless you as you pursue His will for your life.